Welcome to the 71st episode of It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast where we chat about murder. I'm Mercedes. And I am Cindy. Thank you for listening to last week's episode when we discussed the horrific Morehouse murders. Forewarning, our show is often horrifying and graphic, and we do use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for a murder. Also, we are passionate and always have been about true crime, but I must warn you, we might make jokes and laugh during this podcast. Want to learn more about us? Visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com to find links to our social media pages. We drop a new episode every Friday morning. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you don't miss out. Also, thanks for listening. If you are even slightly entertained by our Southern charm, please leave us a five-star rating along with a comment. And if not, you think we suck, reach out to us and let us know what you think we can do to improve. Also, spread the word and recommend our podcast to your friends and family. And if you hate us, recommend us to your enemies. That's right. So how's it going, Cindy? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recording remotely from my office. Well, you sound good. You look good. All good. Is good. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's good. So I did want to start out before we forget that we are, I want to tell everybody that we're not going to be here next week. We're going to take a break. So yes. um, look for us episode 72 on mm-hmm. June 18th. Yes. 2021. We're taking a week off. So I'm going out of town. I'll be in North Carolina. Um, so yeah, it'll be fun. It will be fun. It will be. I, uh, and I'm, you know, I am going out of town later, but we'll work that out. Yeah. Uh-huh. We sure will. So anyway, um, I think we should go ahead and get started. This one is going to be rather long and last episode you took us to Australia. So I thought, Hmm, I think that we're going to go to a different country, but on this side of the globe. So we're going to Mexico. All right. I've never been to Mexico. Um, and neither have I. Um, <laughs> and not only did I broaden my horizons by learning a teensy bit about Mexican, uh, Mexico City and its culture, but I also got to, I'm going to get to speak a little Espanol. Yes, because you, you already speak. Well, well, in my white girl accent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. What I will tell you is that from the early 1990s through around 2003, Mexico City newspapers reported on a series of murders of women ages 60 and older. These homicides, one journalist put together, were quite similar in nature. Uh, None of the residences showed signs of forced entry and the murders were happening in the daytime. You know, headlines, let's sell a newspaper. Was there a serial killer preying on elderly women in Mexico City? And the police are like, no, there's no serial killer. You know, this is just the media doing their thing. They're trying to sell headlines, blah, blah, blah. The police are saying, no, that happens in the United States. That happens somewhere else. This this is just a concoction of the media. Okay. Yeah, I mean, sure. There were 43 elderly women who had been strangled, some of them brutally beaten and then robbed over the course of those years. But, mm-hmm. eh, you know, serial killings only happen in the United States, not in Mexico. Right. But the facts don't lie. And what I will say is that researching this series of murders, there are a lot of murders of young women that were going on in Mexico that did not create this media sensation. Like hundreds and hundreds of younger, younger girls, teens to like 26 or something like that. Hmm. Now, and they were found dead in the same manner? All similar. They all were believed to have been done by the same person, um, like, like by two or three different serial killers. Hmm. Okay. I did not delve too deeply into this, but 
part of the, a lot of the research that I got was from a woman who was writing her uh, doctoral thesis or might've been her master's thesis. So a lot of this was her research for that. Oh, okay. Her thesis had to do with sensationalizing these crimes and this killer and ignoring the, you know, the crimes against the younger women, because they're not as valued to our society as elderly women the grandmotherly type. Okay. And I remember you told me a little bit about this and I was thinking that there was like a criminal minds episode. Okay. So there is not a criminal minds episode on this case. However, she, this case is mentioned. Um, uh, Dr. Reed does mention it, you know, he says, Oh, well, in the case of such and such yes, he does mention yes. this case. And there is a similar case, but it's not 100% based on this right because those elderly women were being um were raped also right and i believe that the killer in that was um um well i'm getting ahead of myself here oh are you gonna talk because i have I, his name but you're gonna talk about it later yeah do you want to talk you can go ahead and say his name okay pablo vargas okay is he was um the mexican serial rapist and abductor turned serial killer who was in this who was featured in season one I think if that's the same one, or that could have been a made up one. I think that was a made up one. Is that the made up one? Or oh, Juan Bazara? Nope. That was okay. Wait, okay. All right. So, all right. Thank you. There is, there is one where they go into Mexico and they investigate these elderly women being killed in their homes. And there's okay. like a bunch of them. Okay. But so, all right. Maybe I'm just oh. blending them all together. And you could be, and maybe you're not, but according to news reports, Homicides of elderly women in Mexico City had been on the rise since 1998. By 2003, investigators had 17 very similar open homicide cases. In each, the elderly female victim had been asphyxiated, asphyxiated with an object from the home, such as like a pair of tights or cables or a stethoscope, telephone cords. One of them was even um, strangled with her own, her robe belt. Some of the victims had been savagely beaten most of them were um, found lying on a bed in a chair. And what I will say to you, which I find horrifying, you can find crime scene photos on Murderpedia. I have never seen that before. I wonder if it's because they're released because it's um, in Mexico. Um, I usually don't look at the, the photos. Okay. Well, this was just a page where you, I guess I clicked on the page of photos because ah. they were right there. Right there. Um, oh, it it was horrific. Me. It was. I'm, I'm, I am disturbed that they're readily available because I just was not seeking them. I could only glance at a few. I just don't have the stomach for it. And it is, it's, it's horrific. And you almost kind of like desensitize your view of it. They were not pleasant deaths. Let me put it that way. Mm. So of course, Mexico City, uh, they're on high alert. They're terrified. Discussion begins regarding the best way to protect this very vulnerable group, elderly women. And of course, it's going to get political because elderly women, of course, you know, a lot of them are on social services, welfare or uh, Medicaid, whatever they have that's similar in that country. On November 5th, 2003, the police publicly announced that they were on the hunt for a serial killer with a specific MO. This is the first serial killer that Mexico has ever announced, by the way. Really? Yeah. I mean, we know they're there, but they're probably trying to keep that under wraps. This was the first cartel. And this, I did see this in numerous places where it was where this was the first named serial killer of Mexico City. Wow. um, Of Mexico. 
the the killer had the same mo serial killer dressed as a nurse from the government program Sivale. and that Sivale, from what i can tell it from what i can tell it's like a social welfare services program Mm -hmm. um you know they provide services like health and food and housing to the impoverished and the elderly they'll go to your house they'll check your blood pressure they'll make things are sure things are clean and whatnot so of course what like a home health nurse exactly yes now, many people were opposed to this group because, of course, budgets. So when the murders were connected to the program, it quickly came under scrutiny. We know there's a connection, but what is it? Police believe that the killer was pretending to be a nurse from the Social Security program that de- did the welfare checks on the elderly. They also believe the serial killer was targeting elderly women who were specifically registered in this particular program. So, of course, that's a media sensation. Mm-hmm. The guy who spoke out, and I, I forgot to write down what role he was then, but today he's the current president of Mexico. Oh. Lopez Obrador, he publicly denied the existence of a serial killer, and he blamed the Mata Viejitas phenomenon on a conspiracy by the pan-led federal government against his administration's social policies. So uh, Mata Viejitas means old lady killer. So he's saying that this is a creation of the federal, this is the other party against me because they don't like my programs. Okay. All right. Okay. So it it quickly became political, but the death toll continues to rise of elderly women. Um, Now it's 48 and it really wasn't until the 49th murder that the Mierda hit the fan. And that means shit, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) That victim was 82 year old Karma Camilla Camila. Gonzalez Miguel, an upper middle class woman who was murdered on September 28, 2005. Now, ironically, Senor Gonzalez Miguel's son was a very prominent Mexican criminologist, Luis Rafael Moreno Gonzalez. So he is like the head criminologist in Mexico. Okay, th- that was the episode of Criminal Minds. Okay, well, I'm going to have to watch it because yeah. it is based loosely on the story. It's not yeah. the same. No, no, no. I'm just saying like that, that all of that, like there was a person there. It was like a criminal investigator who contact, I don't know how they. There is another guy who was very much into uh, the investigation. And I think I just took his name out. What, what I will say is I don't believe that the killer targeted this woman knowing that her son is this powerful criminologist. Right. Whoever is doing this is going in, they're stealing jewels, any cash that's on hand, rings, anything of value that they could easily sell or get rid of. And also taking things like little statues, little crosses, little religious trinkets, like Mm -hmm. a rosary. According to newspaper accounts, El Mataviajitas entered Gonzalez Miguel's home on Wednesday, September 28, 2005, posing as a social worker. He attacked the old woman and then strangled her, taking an undisclosed amount of jewelry and cash. So the search to stop the serial killer became more focused and more public after the murder of this woman. Right. Which a lot of times, those are the ones that get. Right. Yes. So, so now everything's coming together. They're all talking about this El Mata, you know, that's the name of the serial killer, the old lady killer. El um, Mata Viejitas means that it's a male killer. You know, they're on the lookout for this highly intelligent. They have this, of course, they create this task force. They call it parks and gardens. And of course, that's the English. They didn't really call it that. Extra officers patrol the areas where the killer had been active. 
elderly women were paid to act as bait. That was highly controversial, by the way. Um, yeah. It's kind of related to my next one that I'm doing, kind of, but not really. really? Okay. Uh, pamphlets were distributed to the elderly, advising them to be cautious of strangers. You know, don't just let anyone in your house. So they trace patterns in the homicides that did lead to more than 64 sketches of the possible serial killer. And as I said, the 64? first- 64? 64 people think that they've seen this person coming in and out of the apartments or hanging around or talking to old people. The suspect was a male subject. His victims were women, usually around 70 or older. They were middle or lower middle class who lived alone near or near a park or a garden. So of course they're canvassing the the area with a new um, artist composite composite of the killer after the son of an elderly woman said he went to his mom's house in October. The son said that he got there and saw another person in his mom's home. And as soon as he came through the door, the person like fled as soon as he arrived. So the son called the police, believing that the person that was in his mom's home was El Mata Viejitas. So he told police, listen, this person was in my house, my mom's house. He was a man posing as a woman, possibly a transvestite. Okay. Okay. So the suspect is a large muscular person wearing what appeared to be a wig and women's clothes. At a press conference, police announced that now they're looking for a homosexual man, transvestite or transgendered. And of course, over the course of the next few weeks, they arrested 49 transvestites and then released them all when their prints didn't match those collected from the crime scenes. Because it couldn't have just been a disguise. Right. So they have fingerprints of the, the suspect. They have few people who said they've seen that, seen this person. They have composite sketches. They also have requested collaboration from the French police because they had dealt with their own serial killer, Terry Paulin, who's the monster of Montmartre. Montre. Hmm. Ever heard of him? No. He had a similar MO where he would kill elderly women for money, you know, off the money, off the money drug, like high life drugs, parties and stuff like that. Maybe we need to take a trip to France. Well, I don't want to beat up old women to do that, but I would always go to <laughs> any time go to France. <laughs> as long as I don't have to kill someone to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the French police came to Mexico to give a special course on identifying and tracking serial killers. Investigators believe that the killer was similar to the French serial killer. And according to Sandra Vargas Cervantes, and she is the author I was telling you about earlier, she ended up turning her thesis into a book. She said that never in Mexican history had such a task force been deployed. No other victims had ever commanded such a response. The inexplicable killings of elderly women had put the nation into a state of shock. Like, how could we let this happen to our elderly people? Crime scene analysts suggested that the killer strangled the victims from behind with articles of their own clothing or other effects from the homes. Some of the victims also sustained blunt force trauma in the face, head, and body. According to one source, the killer often rifled through the house and stole something small, usually a religious statue or rosary or something. But police finally caught a couple of breaks. In July, the killer not only left a full fingerprint at the home of a woman who the police believe was a prospective victim, but also a witness who could describe the potential serial killer. Nice. So an elderly woman's son had, he was staying at his mom's because he broke his foot, I believe. He was, he was staying at his mom's because she was kind of, help, they were kind of helping each other, you know, and he's there recovering from a broken leg and someone showed up at the door. 
whoever it was was posing as a nurse and she examined an x-ray of the son's leg that's where they found a partial fingerprint but mom and son were extremely suspicious of this nurse and they contacted authorities immediately like no one had said oh someone's going to come check on you just did not seem right and in the past the police might have ignored this but they did not ignore that they took the report and they took that partial print off the x-ray and it matched the fingerprint that they found earlier when the son's that other son said someone was running out of his mom's house but it also matched fingerprints from five other homicides of elderly women dang so this person just happened to have an x-ray machine with him I don't think he had an x-ray machine. I think it's the old film that you can like hold up to a window or a light and kind of see through maybe. Oh, maybe. Okay. I understand. He probably had his own like x-ray there. Right. And was like, yeah, this is what it looked like. Here's the x-ray of my broken foot or whatever. Right. And it was kind of like a surprise that anybody showed up. It was just a very awkward situation. And they said that the, the nurse kind of played it off by like, oh, well, I'm here to check on your leg. Gotcha. No one sent, no one had any uh, record of anyone going to that place. So the Mexican, Mexico City investigation team are looking at all the tips and leads coming in. And over the course of the investigation, they had a particular interest and what was taken from some of the crime scenes. Uh, Most of those were items that were not valuable, but usually religious, as I said, crucifixes, Bibles, rings, images of saints. And they theorized that these were trophies. They discovered another possible lead. Three of the victims owned a print of an 18th century painting, Boy in Red Waistcoat, or Westgate, that's how you really said it, by French artist Jean-Baptiste Grez. Now, this clue was ultimately deemed red herring, but it it was um, an interesting little lead anyway. And so I'll post the picture on the website. It's a cute little picture. I wonder if it maybe like someone came to town and like it just happened to have a bunch of them in a shop and so uh, you know people bought them and then yeah it's kind of like you know like I don't know I buy prints of Van Gogh's Starry Night or you know Mm -hmm. the uh, it's just a print so you can get those anywhere what are you doing I'm all paranoid I look like a boy now (laughs) you do not look like a boy it was just the way that the sun was behind you I told her she looked like a boy when she first logged in. All right. Anyway, two profiles of the killer were developed, both of which contradicted each other at times. So the Mexico, yeah, because, you know, there's more than one. They have a task force, but of course, there's more than one agency involved. The Mexico City police relied on a physical description based on eyewitness accounts. The killer was a male dressed as a woman or robust woman dressed in white between 5'6", five, 5'7", light brown complexion, oval face, wide cheeks, blonde hair, delineated eyebrows, and approximately 45 years old. I'm guessing it means that this person had two eyebrows delineated. Doesn't everyone? Um, Some people have one, a monobrow. A unibrow. Oh, a unibrow, I call them. Yeah, that's why I wax my eyebrows. Okay, can you tell me what a delineated eyebrow is? I'm um, inquiring minds want to know. All right, let's see here. Delineated eyebrow. Lining your eyebrows. So like the fashion now or whatever that obnoxious thing is that people do with their eyebrows. Like I was born this way. She has, I know mine are natural too. And I love mine. The Mexican Department of Justice had their own profile. 
After examining cases of serial killers who targeted elderly women in France and Spain, they call for the arrest of a man with homosexual preferences, a victim of childhood physical abuse, living surrounded by women. The killer could live with a grandmother or other elderly person whom he resents, and the killer possesses great intelligence. Now, when the murder stopped after October, some people believe that the killer had committed suicide, and I don't know where that information would have come from. Why do you automatically go to that conclusion? I don't know. Yeah. I could not figure it out. Yeah. I don't know if I read it and just missed it. But anyway, I don't know why they would come to that conclusion, but the killings did stop for a while. But on January 25th, 2006, a college student who rented a room near the airport was coming home from classes during lunch, came in, and just was as he was about to walk into his house, the door opens and somebody's coming out of his house. And then the person sees him and takes off running. So he's like coming in through his door and he discovers his 89-year-old landlady, Maria de los Reyes, on the floor. There's a stethoscope still wrapped around her neck. He takes chase after the killer and he's screaming for help. He, he captures this person. He's holding the killer until a passing police car patrolling the area hears the tenant's calls for help and makes the arrest. And immediately there's a media circus. You know I mean, oh, I on the scene quickly. El Mata Viejitas had finally been caught. And the killer didn't disappoint because it wasn't El Mata Viejitas. It was La Mata Viejitas. So the killer is a woman, not a man. Mm-hmm. And people were shocked. And of course, the media goes wild because the killer is a woman. Uh, the next day, headlines read, Mata Viajitas falls after committing another crime. It is a woman. Cervantes, the lady that did her thesis on this story, she said that they couldn't, she's talking about uh, Mexican police, uh, Mexico City citizens. They just couldn't conceptualize a female serial killer. It was the first time in Mexican history that, that police had named a serial killer. And she said that it was just blew their mind it wasn't a man Hmm. and as a matter of fact she goes on like she goes into it more of how it's sexist because when they thought it was a man they said oh he's intelligent and blah 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 well as soon as they found out a woman they're you know oh she's just dumb she's you know oh yeah it's it it got interesting but i had to put it down because it was a rabbit hole all right so reportedly the suspect while being detained by police started screaming yes i did it she was saying that to reporters and of course everyone's surprised she's not a man but a woman and her name was Juana Barraza Semperio. On this scene she talked to reporters she denied involvement in any of the other slayings of elderly women investigated by police over the last three years. She said just because I'm going to pay for this doesn't mean that they're going to put off all the crimes on me. One reporter asked how many she had killed and her answer was this is the first. When she was arrested, um, she was carrying identification that linked her to the city-sponsored welfare program that served the elderly, but authorities would not comment on whether the idea was was authentic. They don't know if it was forged or if it was real. I I don't, I never did find that information. They also, she also had a blood pressure monitor with her, as well as a list of names and addresses of elderly women who received monthly relief checks. Hmm. authorities oh there it is they did not immediately reveal that her prints were a match and they gave no details on what they believed after her arrest the media tried to one-up each other with headlines about her but mexico's notorious serial killer there was headline after L- headline about la mata viejitas most interesting to everyone was that she was a luchadora and they had a field day with that so it turns out that barata was a fanatical participant in lucha libre 
which you probably know as Mexican masked wrestling. She had in fact been involved in the semi-professional Lucha Libre, which is a sport theater spectacle, extremely popular in Mexico. She was, she actually had been a wrestler in her day. She had been La Dama del Silencio, the Lady of Silence. She did crazy uh, mask. Yes. I actually have a picture of her. uh, I'm going to describe it in the next slide, I believe, but I have a picture I'm going to put on the um, website, but okay. Um, so under her stage name, uh, La Dama del Silencia, Silencia, she fought as a ruda, meaning that she had no proper wrestling te- technique and she was a villain. As La Dama del Silencio, she wore a bright pink Power Ranger-like suit with silver details along the legs and shoulders and a pink and silver knee boots. Her face was covered with a pink and silver butterfly mask. A photo of La Dama del Silencio that circulated in newspapers immediately after identification as La Mata Viejitas shows her with what purports to be a World Women's Wrestling Championship belt draped across her shoulder and waist. So that's the one that I'm going to post. Many criminologists use this picture to characterize her as masculine, using this as proof of her innate criminality. That's getting deep into that lady's thesis, but... (laughs) so when she was arrested of course they have to know everything about her life she was 48 and she had three kids she had a 16 year old daughter and she had two sons one was 18 and the other was 21 when she was arrested she the only thing she asked for was a phone call so that she could let her daughter know that she wasn't going to be able to pick her up from school yeah mm -hmm, i'm not gonna be able to go to your wedding i'm not gonna be able to be with you the night your first, first child is born yeah no now, during her interview, because she did give an interview with the lady that wrote the thesis, Vargas Cervantes, um, which was the only interview she ever granted after any of this, she stressed the importance of her children to her. And she also stressed that despite all of her awful deeds, she was she had always been a good mother. That everything that she did was what she had to do to ensure that her children were taken care of and provided for. Mm, I don't think she had to kill the ladies. Uh, well, I don't think she did either. Of course, you know, they get into that too. So of course, she's a media sensation. Everybody wants answers to questions about why and how. And of course, the media interest explodes and she dominates the news. Now she was illiterate. She never learned to read and write. A search of her home did find a trophy room that had newspaper clippings of the murders, along with all those religious trinkets that had been taken from the victims. And I don't know if this is sensationalized or if it's true, but investigators also found an altar to Jesus Malverde and Santa Muerte, two folk saints commonly venerated by Mexican criminals. Okay. When police announced the capture of La Mata Vejita at a press conference, they made Barats pose next to a bust and eyewitness sketches of La Mata Vejita's. Police wanted the public to believe that they were in control of it all along. They were on the right trail to finding her. But in reality, this was not the truth because only one week before her arrest, she had been in a police station for another matter. In addition, that same week, she had been interviewed on a TV program about wrestling and no one said, oh my gosh, that's the killer. There she is. Now, during the 80s and 90s, Barata worked a variety of jobs. Most exciting, she toured Central Mexico as a masked wrestler. She chose that in reference to her own shy, shy, silent personality. Hmm. Um, she was a Rudos, the villain, and she loved wrestling until she was injured in the ring that left her selling popcorn in the stands. 
1995, short of cash after the birth of her fourth child, she began to steal items from shops that later evolved to bur burglarizing homes. During their interviews, police learned that Baratza hadn't always worked alone. She told them that she used to work with an accomplice named Araceli Tapia Martinez, and together in 1996, they hatched a plan to steal from the elderly. So this is where she got the idea. Oh, okay. She would dress in white clothes and pretended to be nurses gaining access to the homes of elderly people living alone, robbing them once they were inside. That's, that is frightening. Isn't it? Like, who comes up with these ideas? Yeah, and just, I mean, my, you know, my grandparents had home health and my mom has home health now. And it's just, I mean, that's just kind of scary because you are vulnerable. Jonathan and I were talking about, you know, how talking about how like supposedly, you know, the devil, you are at your weakest when you're at home and the devil can get you when you're at home. And it's like, because that's where your guard is down. And that's where you're like relaxed and you're not expecting to have to fight people off or to fight the devil off in, in the context of the conversation we were having, but it's the same thing. You're at home, a nurse comes. If you're enlisted in this welfare or you know senior citizen program, then oh, okay well they didn't tell me but okay it makes sense so your 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 guard is down and it's just kind of frightening to it think is. that because it can happen it to anybody i mean it's like even you know every so often we get those sheriff's department alerts about the scams of the elderly yeah. they get taken advantage of and you're like well you would think that after you know our county's been notified 150 times about these scams but not every news station or news publication reaches everyone people who are on a fixed income they may not have cable or they may not have you know mm -hmm. access to phones or what like I don't know if these elderly people who were getting robbed called police like I'm not sure of that I didn't check right. any kind of records from that but I will tell you that her friend Araceli mm -hmm. was having an affair with a federal a federalist a federal police officer a federality Yes. Uh, Federalist yeah. uh, Moises Flores Dominguez. Now, I don't know that much about Mexico. I'm definitely not an expert about Mexico, but I do know from watching bits and pieces of the news and whatnot that there is a lot of police corruption in Mexico, as everywhere. I mean, all the TV, sh I mean, you know, if you watch any kind of cop show or right rug show or you know like you know everything I watch you know they always try to like I guess the federal versus the regular police you know someone's always corrupt right which yeah I mean you got that everywhere but yeah it does seem overwhelmingly so because of the cartels and all of that so you know right per these fictional shows that I watch right now, don't forget that she, this is 10 years after the fact. She's telling, oh yeah, well, my friend Araceli, she also told police that Araceli's boyfriend arrested her after she committed a burglary alone one time. And so Araceli's female. Araceli is a female and her okay. boyfriend is the cop. So I guess that they had planned this burglary, Brata and Araceli planned this burglary and Araceli said, oh, I can't make it. And so she ends up getting busted by her friend's boyfriend and he extorts her for 12,000 pesos. Hmm. Araceli later on, actually, she had actually assaulted some of the elderly women and Araceli didn't, but Baratza did. She said that, yes. Okay. She did. She, she never murdered anyone while I was there, but yes, I've seen her put her hands on it. 
Okay. Um, when you say assaulted, you mean like physically assaulted, not yes, like you know, hitting the lady in the head. Like, well, you'll see if you look up the pictures, you'll see what what happened. Now, Barata also in 2005 what had a relationship with a taxi driver, El Freehole, uh, Freehole, the Bean was his. Um, that was his nickname. He was her <laughs> accomplice. Um, I don't know how long that lasted. It didn't last long. She was in and out of relationships. But 10 years later, after he finds this out, the attorney general, he goes and he finds this Moises Flores Dominguez, this corrupt cop. Good. And he was still an act. He had moved up the ladder. Like now he's a ministerial agent. And uh, the prosecutor in a press conference said that Flores Dominguez was corrupt and he was complicit with La Mata Vijitas' partner, Arceli, that they had been romantically involved and together they planned to extort money from Juana Barraza in 1996 when she robbed houses. It was also discovered that she had come up in an investigation of the murder of an 80-year-old Angela Ayala Sanchez, who was strangled inside her home, but because of Flores Dominguez's corruption, he kind of brushed that lead, um, her as a suspect under the carpet. Police eventually found Araceli and interrogated her, and she did confess to having helped Juana commit the assault, commit an assault in 1998. But she said that there were never homicides, though she did help sell the jewelry that belonged to the murder victims. Oh, so I looked up the word, what is it, ministerial? Uh-huh. Because I mean, I know what a minister is, obviously, in a ministry, but I just, I'd never heard that term okay. as an agent. And it's, I guess, maybe even though you have the federal police, this is the federal ministerial, am I saying that right? Police um, was a Mexican federal agency tasked with fighting corruption and organized crime. Right. I guess that's ironic. <laughs> it, exactly what they're saying is that even yeah. though the statute of limitations, and I don't know if I skipped this or if it's later on, but the statute of limitations on the crime of extortion had already passed, but the crime of corruption, they were still looking into that to see if they could charge him with anything. I don't know if they can charge him with anything, but certainly I don't know if his career ended there or what. I mean, it should have. Yeah. In 2008, she was tried for 30 murders, but it was learned that, that she approached her victims on the street or she would knock on their door, pretending to be a city council nurse or social worker. Initially, she would disguise herself by simply dressing in white clothes, but later she got her hands on a genuine nurse's uniform. Now, depending on her victim's wealth, she would gain their trust and gain interest to their homes by offering massages or help in um, helping them get medicines or subsidies or cleaning or doing their laundry. If the victims were distracted, she strangled them directly. And if not, she just beat them in the head using moves that she learned in a wrestling career. Right. I wonder if, she, if you didn't say it, and if you did, I'm sorry that I didn't catch that. Um, I wonder if she went to, went like visited them more than once to get kind of try to gain their trust. I did. I couldn't find a whole lot on that because I was curious as well. I couldn't find a whole lot about her victims okay. just because she was the media sensation media in this. Not, you know, and we know how that works sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I really don't know, but it would play <laughs> itself out that way. But you don't want to be seen too often at someone coming in and out of someone's house. Right. She did carry a bag with medical tools as part of her disguise, but usually she strangled her victims manually or with a ligature that she took from the victim's home. She didn't bring it with her. 
she would just leave it. She would also rob the victims after killing them, mostly for her own gain, and then she would keep some of their items as trophies. Now, her childhood, of course, is brought up by her defense team as reasons for mitigation. Juana Dianara Barraza Samperio was born in 1957 in rural Hidalgo, Mexico, to Trinidad Barraza, a police officer, and Justa Samperio, an alcoholic sex worker. So her dad was married to someone else, and then he impregnates Justa Justa. I don't know how you would say that. Justa. And then... She, of course, ran off after, th- after giving birth, three months after giving birth. So she abandons her husband for um, a man named Refugio Samperio, who was married, but he was also her stepfather. Now, this is where it gets kind of shaky. Gross. Because he was also Barraza's own father figure. So he, as a child, um, she never learned to read. She had a rocky relationship with her mom because her mom was never around. Like her mom would just leave her with stepfather. When she turned 12, her mom supposedly pimped her daughter out for the first time oh, to a man Lord. named Jose Lugo for three beers. Girl. I don't know how true that is, but he molested her for four years. He, he impregnated her twice once when she was 13, the other time when she was 16, both pregnancies resulted in miscarriages. She left for Mexico City after her mom died of cirrhosis. And there were all kinds of horrific stories about her childhood. Mm. I left a lot of that out. I feel like sometimes that's... Right. And then you don't... I mean, you really don't want to like... I mean, does that take... That's what they're trying to say caused all of this. Yeah. But I, I mean... People have shitty lives all the time right. and don't go out and do stuff like this. I mean, they might not make great decisions, but they don't murder 30 plus people. Right. So she takes off to Mexico City and she has several failed relationships. She does have, it says she had several failed marriages and she did have four children. Her firstborn was killed in the street in active gang violence when he was 24 years old. I, I, I read a couple of different things. I read he was shot down in the street. I read he was beat up by a baseball bat. I'm not sure what happened, but I think she watched it. I think she was there or saw it, came up on it when it was over. I mean, Um, that'll make you crazy. Yeah. (laughs) She did support her children on her own throughout the years with wrestling. And then when she got hurt, she ended up robbing and killing little old ladies, but she did housekeeping. She laundered clothes. She vended at the arena. I mean, she just seemed like she's just like every other woman who works as many jobs as she can to make things. uh, I saw nothing about drugs and alcohol. I mean, I guess that's good. And she doesn't look like she had lived a life of drugs and alcohol to me. I mean, I'll, I'll post a picture of her. I mean, she looked, her face looks good. She, you know, she didn't, she didn't look like she had lived a hard life, you know? I mean, she's my age or was my, what I am now. Wow. But that was what, 10 years ago? Yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't look like a woman that has lived a life of drugs and alcohol at all. Yeah. Because that will age you. A hard life will age you. You can definitely tell people who have lived a hard life and people like Mm -hmm. her, she lived a hard life. She doesn't, she didn't look like it. it. She looked like a perfectly respectable woman. Right. Uh, According to criminologists working her case, Barat's mom was an alcoholic who had traded her 13-year-old daughter to a man for three beers. Yes, she was the victim of rape and abuse from her new guardian, but that did not negate the murders of possibly 48 victims. Criminologists speculated that she targeted women who would have been around the same age as her mom because they made her angry and reminded her of her mom. That's what they said. She said that she killed the women 
because they humiliated her or made her feel like they were better than her. Uh, she didn't like it when they act like, oh, well, I'm higher class than you, or I have more money, or go get a job, or, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. She was I mean, found guilty lost, of 16 but... murders and 12 robberies, and the convictions were mostly for murders she could be tied to through fingerprint evidence. Okay. She was sentenced to 759 years in prison, which is the longest prison since sentence in Mexican history. Now, wow. I don't know. I don't know if that's still the case. Now she's going to be paroled regardless in 2058 at the age of 100 because at 100 they prison out. And what's the point of sentencing them to 759 years? I mean, what's she going to do at 100 years old? Right. She even lives I mean, that long. But. Her children, her daughter doesn't, um, her youngest daughter doesn't talk to her at all. But her younger daughter like was, I don't remember, she was a senior in high school or something like that. And she was about to get this big award, like, like she spared no expense for her children's education and, and giving them the best. Mm. Now, she does work hard in prison. She supports herself in prison. Um, on Monday, she sells food. She sells foods. Like apparently she can make a mean quesadilla. She's known to be a good cook. And ironically, I found this quite funny. One of her jobs in prison is to walk elderly women through the prison courtyard on Friday mornings. Shut up. She should not be anywhere near elderly women. According to the lady, the one who got the interview with her, the Sandra Cervantes Vargas, Barraza has been the coordinator of the walking activity since 2010, supervising around 50 elderly women. Now, in the interview, she said that Barraza was joking with her, kind of joking and laughing that the elderly women did not obey her. She said, you know what they say to me? Who do you think you are? You are not the boss of me. Vargas wrote that between laughs, Juana Barraza or Juanita. Did you know what I did to get here? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, what the hell are the, those old ladies do to get there, right? I know, right? <laughs> uh, so she, she's still joking. She's like, I would tell her how the elderly women do not like walking and they prefer to sit down. So Barraza gets mad. She told her that she cannot work like that. <laughs> yeah, so that is our uh, luchadora, the... La Mata Viejitas, the old lady killer who was. Wow. I'm just amazed that, I mean, because, you know, when I'm looking for my murders too, you know, I look and see how many people they did. I don't want to get too crazy because I do like to highlight the, the victims, but then if you have 30, you can't like go off and name and do research. I mean, that would take us, you know, a week to have an episode like that. But, um, you know, I do look and I'm like, okay, well, what year was this? Oh, 1900 people. How come I've never heard of this? Or, you know, and sometimes it's like they blew up a place or something of that nature it was kind of like casual, you know, casualties, um, like what collateral damage, I guess you'd say, like if they placed a bomb somewhere and then it's not as if they went on a rampage and killed a hundred people. But she I mean, just, you can just goes get home and cooks for her kids and yeah. her, helps her kids with homework or does whatever, you know, she does with them. That's scary too. And you know what else you bringing up the trinkets and, you know, like the, um, you know, and a lot of people take, um, you know, something with them when they commit murders or whatever, what is it? Trophies. Trophies. I wonder how you figure out, cause usually the trophies are kind of related. Like you find the similar things like, you know, I'm, we'll say I, I take jewelry, you know, so I'll take a ring, I'll take some earrings or a bracelet. Some people take underwear or some people, you know, I wonder how they find their fetish for that. Like, like, is it something that is just important to them? Like maybe her religion was super important to her. So she took those things that make, it just makes me wonder how they yeah. figure out what their trophies are going to be. Yeah. I, I'm not super certain on that. Like 
there's one more thing not related to this that I wanted to tell you that I did. I'm listening to another podcast and they had an ad on a Lifetime movie about to come out June 5th, I believe. And uh-huh. I'm not getting paid for this, believe it or not, but it's a movie, a Lifetime movie on Jennifer Dulos. We did her. She was the, oh my God, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> the Connecticut mom who um, went missing. She had five children and they believe that it was her husband uh-huh. who did it. And then he ended up committing suicide. That was episode 44. Jennifer okay. Barber Dulos. So there is a, a Lifetime oh. movie coming out on her. So lucky there. And I think that there is a Lifetime movie on this one as well as, like I said, um, I did see reference to something with Criminal Minds, but it was like a different character, but similar. What I read was, let me go back to it. Okay. It's like a rip from the headlines type Uh deal. And it says, inspired by Juana Barraza, am I saying Uh that right? Um, But written at a time when Barraza was still unidentified and at large. Oh. Aspects of the unsub are instead taken from Andre something or something who is directly referenced okay so that's probably the one where spencer, okay. dr spencer reed says oh this is like da, 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 da. but it's the same and it's, because the person a woman gets murdered and then one of the mexican criminologists or whatever reaches out to his friend with the criminal minds fbi okay. unit or whatever so instead of it being french it's the united states i'll have to yeah. go out and, and um and check that one out when yeah I... but that's crazy that they did this whole episode before they even knew who she was yeah because i mean you've got well, to jump on been... it while it's hot right yeah you i know? mean she could have been sitting in her living room watching it like that's me bitches the bench. what's up definitely so that's it for today that's all I've wow got. Um, and also just to remind you that we're taking a week off next week. We will miss you so much. We will. But um, Cindy will, will be coming back with episode 72. Yes. And I think it's going to be a good one. It's an oldie. Oh, okay. I've been wanting to do some oldie. So let's see how you, remember I did one before? Um, yes. You, the pirate murders or pirate murders. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's an, it's an, I mean, yeah, it's not like 1800s old, but it's an older okay. one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Back when police work was much different. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mercedes. You're so welcome. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We appreciate sharing our passion with you and we thank you for your support. If you'd like to support us even further, please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star rating and a comment. Your subscription and ratings are essential to our success. You, um, I'm sorry, you can do this on your favorite platform. For more information and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com. Please recommend It Wasn't Me to your true crime-loving friends and family. And thank you to our Patreon supporters. You are the extra. You too can become one of our beloved patrons by signing up at patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. Thanks again, guys. And remember, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. me.